All right. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of I Don't Want to Talk About Politics. Make sure you check us out on the Instagram, IDWTAP underscore podcast. I don't know how I forgot it, the underscore podcast part. Check us out. Check us out on Instagram and TikTok at IDWTAP underscore podcast. Also, check out our personal Instagrams at Allie.joy173. And close to J1776. In the description below is the link to the website where you can listen to more episodes of the podcast, contribute to our current activism podcast project, check out our references, and contact us. Also, make sure you check out our blog. On the, um, this past week, I did a post talking about supplement and about a supplement and nutrition company that's all over TikTok called Bloom. I'm getting all into the ethics of their company, their marketing, and touching on the legitimacy of supplements slash superfood brand. Um, for Spotify users, make sure that you vote in this week's poll, which is do politics belong in church? Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I think we are both ready to be done with remote court recording. We are so happy that we get to have at least four months of us recording in person. Yes. Okay. Thank you so much. We'll see you next week. So first off, California Nordstrom's rack had not Nordstrom's rack. Nordstrom's had a flash mob. Why are you looking at me like that? I was thinking like a flash mob as in like people came in like the the Camp Rock. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, but no. <laughs> Just Demi Lovato like marching on in. No, no. Not that kind. Uh, California police in LA, which I honestly thought they defunded their police, like genuinely thought they defunded their police and didn't have mm-hmm. a police force in LA. But I guess that's San Francisco. Um, said a mob of criminals came in and stole a hundred grand worth of stuff from Nordstrom. So they just paraded on in. in their yeah in their all black clothes at 4 p.m on tuesday actually i don't know what day it was but it was 4 (laughs) p.m and stole a bunch of merchandise that's such an odd time broad daylight like you wanted to beat the traffic yeah exactly like you get in there it's in like the awkward part of the day right before everyone gets off of work so when people come in like stopping on their way home from work they're like don't worry we'll beat the lines we'll grab some quick dinner go home steal like two shirts we're good yeah um, i was just like when i saw it was 4 p.m i was like that's such that's like broad daylight like they didn't even be like mm, yeah let's do it at closing no, let's do it in the middle of the day. That sounds like a great time. Cute thing. Also, a hundred thousand dollars worth of stuff. Like I said, for Nordstrom, that's like three shirts. True. That's True. Like, it's two purses and a foundation. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, this was not the only flash mob that happened this week in California because I kept, when I was looking up the thing, it kept pulling up a different story. There was also one in Glendale, California, which I thought Glendale was in Arizona, but apparently there's a Glendale, California. This one was in a designer store. I don't find what store. And 30 people stole $300,000 worth of stuff. Once again, that's like two shirts and maybe a purse. Yeah. It's just a brand. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so California had some more crime, as usual, but two different flash mobs in the span of a week in two different cities near L.A. This makes me want to steal. Allison, don't steal. Look, I'm not going to. I have to defy expectations, you know. But I yeah. like just be like, you know what? I need like San Francisco walk in and be like, I need this much because what isn't there rule like under six hundred dollars or something? It's some go, ridiculous amount. I could go in and just steal all of the makeup I need instead of having to place a makeup order. True. But is it morally correct? Maybe from a big corporation. Ulta did lay off all of their employees during COVID. True. True. And they had Dylan Mulvaney be the voice of womanhood. Yeah. Me steal, uh, yeah. Me steal a $60 foundation. Dylan Mulvaney being the voice of womanhood. They're they're about equivalent because he yeah. is basically stealing the identity of women. And I am basically just stealing a sixty dollar foundation. Sounds good. A Utah man was killed during an FBI raid this week. The man who was killed was reportedly conspiring to shoot Biden. It's actually me. Oh. Well, the FBI will come find you. <laughs> Apparently kill me. Isn't he like 75? At 6.15 a.m., yeah. Why Why you up at 6.15 a.m.? You're telling me that some lady FBI agent got up at like 4 a.m., you know, took a shower, made her coffee, did her hair and makeup, came into the office, put on a bulletproof vest. Probably not. She probably had to get up like 2 a.m. Because they well, probably had to prepare for like an hour and a half. Absolutely not. Um, the raid was in connection with an investigation into alleged threats against President Joe Biden and others, according to two officials briefed on the case. Who were briefed on the case? Um... So this was in Salt Lake City. <laughs> the FBI takes all shooting incidents involving our agents or task force members seriously. But you killed a man, but okay. Um, in accordance with the FBI policy, the shooting incident is under review by the FBI's 
inspection division. As this is an ongoing matter, we have no further details to provide. So they were saying this in regards to the fact that they literally killed him. Well, they was. Well, yeah, they did kill a man. Yeah, they literally executed him. Mm -hmm. This is interesting. The president, I don't know why they said the president, is scheduled to visit Utah on Wednesday. So I guess they had to take this man into custody, but instead they shot him uh, in order to protect Biden. What was he going to do in Utah? Like, they had him in custody in Utah, and he was going to come in and, like, beat some information out of him? Yeah, I don't know. Among the posts allegedly made by Robertson, which is the man who was killed, was one published on August 6th, three days before Biden's scheduled visit, according to the compliant. I hear Biden is coming to Utah, digging out my old ghillie suit and cleaning the dust off my M24 sniper rifle. Okay, that is look. The post said, according to the compliant, and then it says, willful true threat to kill, or then they referred to it as willful true threat to kill or cause injury to kill President Biden. That statement makes no sense, person. Okay. Wait, okay. Okay. Snipers. I thought only people in war can have snipers. I don't know. If you go to war, like let's say I'm a Marine, right? Uh I know you. Leave Marine Corps. Wait, women can't be in the Marine Corps. No. It's core, not corpse. Corpse is a dead body. No, 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 that's corpse. I'm talking about corpse. It's core. Like the P is silent. Why? P O R P and the C is or the P is silent. I'm foreign. Marine Corps. Okay. English isn't my first language, Calista. Marine Corps. Corps. Okay. Marine Corps. I'm in the Marine Corps. Right. And they give me mm-hmm. like, I don't know, a big old gun to shoot people with. And like what's it called? The the one and it's but what's it the butterfly knife? Do they give those to the Marines? Don't know. I know nothing about the military. They give me like a butterfly knife and like I don't know. A sword. Why don't you think I know things about the military? I you know things about weapons. And like a sword. Okay. Do I get to take those home with me? Um, I don't believe so. I'm pretty sure those are probably property of the U.S. government. The compliant said willful true threat to kill or cause injury to kill President Biden. Which I still, that sentence makes no sense even the second time I read it. The person should maybe learn how to write a sentence. So this is all under investigation now. Um, between the guy and then the FBI uh, killing the man. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Wasn't he like 75? Yes. I don't understand how 
a house gets raided uh-huh. and one 75 year old man is a threat enough that they had to shoot him exactly like shoot to we, kill yeah like like i don't know i need i'm gonna need that body cam footage like i understand that obviously you're trying to protect the president because that's your job but also that seems a bit extreme i feel like maybe oh let's take this man into custody while the president is here and do some more investigation not kill the guy exactly okay this one's sad speaking of assassination attempts an ecuadorian presidential candidate was assassinated so 15 year not 15 15 year nine year old 59 year old presidential candidate fernando villa recencio was a former investigative journalist who was outspoken against the increasing corruption in the Ecuadorian government. Um, so Wednesday of last week, he was fatally shot after exiting a campaign rally in Quito, which is the nation's capital. So this is a, this is an article from NPR. They said the Ecuador is in a subsequently subsequently. I'm close to today. Subsequently, mm-hmm. close to, is that it? Mm-hmm. Subsequently, that's not it. Subsequently, subsequently, mm-hmm. Ecuador is subsequently in a shade of shade of shock. Did we switch places? I quit. This is my resignation. Summon Craig. This is my resignation for the podcast. <laughs> Let's try that one again. Ecuador is subsequent. Oh my gosh. President Guillermo Lasso announced a 60-day national state of emergency and said he would be mobilizing military forces in the streets to crack down on gangs. The presidential election is slated for August 20th, August 20th, according to the National Electoral Council head Diana Adamant. Uh, Vila Silencios reportedly had a chance of finishing second, according to polls, and could have sent the election to a runoff vote which is like um, Tico reports. Mm-hmm. Um, Villa Vivencio had previously drawn attention to the death threats he'd been receiving, but he made a point to refuse a bulletproof vest and did not shy away from his pointed rhetoric towards drug trafficking and corrupt government officials. He said, he says, have turned Ecuador into a narco state. Valencio's, um, Villa Vivencio's Sister Alexandra has told journalists that she believes the Ecuadorian government is responsible for her brother's death and alleges that there is a larger plot 
to silence him. Um, so right now they are in, well, as of when he was assassinated, they were in three days of mourning, um, like nationwide. And then the president, current president, um, had requested the help of the FBI in investigating the assassination. So, even though his sister is kind of saying that the, it's kind of hinting at it was the government who was kind of behind the assassination mm -hmm. and after reading a couple articles that's kind of my opinion too um they do have um suspects in custody so they have six colombians who arrest who were arrested in connection with the assassination um supposedly they are part of a drug trafficking criminal organization and they've been arrested before in ecuador and colombia related to cocaine trafficking sites so they may be part of some kind of organized crime group and the police said that they have two possible motives for why um the why um Villa Vicencio was um assassinated but they are not reveal they're not revealing what those motivations are so yeah he seems like a pretty cool dude. So this is obviously very sad. Yeah. But it'll be interesting what happens after this and what happens with this investigation. Mm -hmm. And I also kind of forgot about Ecuador. And I still... Where is Ecuador, Calista? Africa? No. Is it in Africa? South America. South America. Where's it near? Where is it? It's in the western corner at the top of South America. It's yeah, I was after like, as soon as I said Africa, I was like, that's not right. South it's, America. It's named after the equator because most of the country is in the southern because it's named after the equator. And so most of the country is in the southern hemisphere. It's actually quite small. It's about the size of Colorado. Which is so crazy. Like an entire country is the size of Colorado because I do not feel like Colorado is like one of like our big states. It might be. I don't know anything no. about Colorado. It has the Rockies. Both the mountains right. and the baseball team. Mm-hmm. Colorado? Am I wrong that Colorado has the Rocky Mountains? No, you're not wrong. Who knew? I don't want to talk about politics. It's actually just a geography lesson. <laughs> yeah. We learned about oceans. We learned and about rivers. We learned about rivers. In the Earth Day no. episode. Allison's spouting facts about the Rockies. <laughs> Ecuador. Um, Valentine's Day is Oregon's birthday. That's another geography fact for you. Ecuador's also is between um Colombia and um Peru. Mm-hmm. 
and they're known for their cuisine. Okay. And Spanish is their official language. Thank you for all the Ecuador facts. Is there anything else you'd like to know? Um, no, I think no, I'm, I'm good. good. Okay. Well, that was all for news this week. If you've obviously you've read the title of this episode, we are going to be talking about politics and church. Specifically, we are asking the question, do politics belong in church? So Calista and I both have, I'd say we both have very mixed feelings on this. And so we thought it'd be interesting to do this as more of a debate style. So each of us will be taking a stance on this. And even if we don't 100%, either if we don't 100% agree with our stance, we will be, we will essentially be playing, we'll be taking like a stance on this and then kind of debating back and forth um the each the different sides of this argument and so Callista, mm -hmm. you are pro politics are going to be pro politics in church correct yes and i will be anti-politics in church we are going to be doing this debate style so um kind of doing our opening statements and then doing a little bit of back and forth as we're talking and so we have kind of three points that we're hitting on but let's start with our opening statements. Callista, you have permission to take the floor. Okay. Throughout history, the church has served as a moral compass guiding its followers through the hardships of societal changes. The teachings of compassion, justice, and empathy that form the foundation of many faith traditions are not confined to the pews. They have the power to transcend sacred spaces and shape the very structure of our communities. It is within this context that I affirm the necessity of politics in the church. Politics have absolutely no place in the church. First off, it's the pastor's job to educate the congregation on manners of the Bible, not the issues in the current political realm. In fact, it is a gross abuse of the pastor's powers to be pushing their own political beliefs on the body of the church. Second, the church taking an official stance does nothing but alienate potential believers as a result, subtracting the number of potential citizens of heaven. Finally, it is essential that the separation of church and state is not only upheld in our government, but in every religious affiliation in the United States. Politics have absolutely no place in the church and never will. All right, let's start off with talking about this from a biblical stance. Callista, would you like to start? Yes. Okay, firstly, Jesus referred to his followers as the salt of the earth and the light of the world. You, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt lost its savior, where wherewith shall it be salted it is good for nothing anymore but to be cast out and to be turned on by men matthew chapter 5 verse 13 this advocates for political engagement in the church because being the salt and light involves not just personal morality but also influencing the broader society 
By participating in politics, the church can help shape laws and policies that reflect godly and biblical principles and contribute to more righteous societies. Secondly, Jesus says in Matthew chapter 22, verse 21, they say to him, Caesar's, then he saith to them, render therefore to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. This verse can be interpreted as a call for believers to engage responsibly in both the secular and spiritual realms. Advocates of politics in the church may use this use this passage to support the idea that Christians have a responsibility to be involved in matters of governance and civic life. Finally, in Proverbs 31, Verse 8 through 9, God commands us to be a voice for the voiceless. This verse emphasizes the responsibility to advocate for the rights and well-being of those who are marginalized. So why should we not do this in the church? Matthew 5, verse 13 through 16 reads, You are the salt of the earth, but the salt loses its saltiness. How can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others. They may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Although this may be commonly misinterpreted as the church taking a political stance, it is actually to take personal responsibility, not only for your faith, your own faith, but your own activism and your own duty as a Christian slash Catholic, but Christian um, church. The church is supposed to be glorifying the goodness of God, not um, matters of the flesh. While we we are actually labeled as, I struggled so much with this, Calista. We are actually labeled as dual citizens. In Philippians 3.20, it says, but our citizenship is in heaven and we eagerly await Savior from here, the Lord Jesus Christ. Meaning that matters of the flesh are simply a temporary issue. And not something that we should we should have our eyes on eternity, which is something that we should be exemplifying in the church, not focusing on the current political issues. I wanted to bring up your point about being a voice for the voiceless and how you said that we could use Bible to speak up for marginalized communities. However, politically, that has not always been the case. When in fact, when in fact, in the founding of our country, the Bible was actually used to justify slavery. Historically. Fair. Okay, that's just, you're saying fair? Yep. Yep. Yeah, okay. Do you have any concluding thoughts on the matter? No. No. Okay. Moving on to this from a polit- uh, political, a constitutional stance, I will be starting this. Okay. 
The beginning of the First Amendment reads, Congress shall make no law respecting the establishment of religion. This is called the Establishment Clause. Originally, it did two things. It banned a national church and kept the government out of our existing state churches. Individuals were protected from a national government imposing a specific set of religious beliefs. The Establishment Clause keeps the government from establishing an official religion or supporting a specific reason. The separation of church and state is essential in giving religious freedom to all of the citizens of America. And so for if we are to apply that mindset in our churches, it's to give political freedom to all the children of God. That's a better way of explaining it. In fact, um, separation of church and state not also not only applies to how the governing, but it also applies to political lobbying and activities and um according to the fec churches and other nonprofits are strictly prohibited from engaging in political campaigning this prohibition stems from the requirement of section 501c3 of the internal revenue code an organization that qualifies as tax exempt under section 501 which is any churches which is churches for example is one that devotes its resources to educational, religious, scientific, or other charitable activities, and that complies with a number of other rules, including the pro prohibition on political activity in exchange for agreeing to fulfill certain public purposes and follow the rules for 501c3s. These organizations do not pay taxes on their income, and contributions received by them are tax deductible by their donors. Churches are recognized as these organizations under the law. They do not have a specific, so they do not have specific approval from the IRS to be tax exempt under 501, under, unlike other charities. So in order for them to remain tax-free, they cannot promote political activity and they cannot promote political campaigning. So if, you ch if your pastor is getting up in front of the congregation and being like, today you need to go to the polls and vote for, I don't know, president kamala harris because she's super cool and i love her and one time she came and um took communion hashtag slay eh. i don't know maybe it's like a hill song <laughs> i feel like that's what a hill song's like um then they should not they should not um be able to keep their tax exempt status because they are promoting political activities is and I I believe the same should be stated for any ch um any church that promotes specific um laws to be passed because it could be a form of activism slash lobbying. So, firstly, the First Amendment guarantees both the freedom of religion and the freedom of speech. This means that individual and religious institutes including churches have the right to express their beliefs and opinions including those related to politics secondly politics often intersect with matters of moral and ethical importance religious beliefs and value can influence individuals perspectives on political matters allowing politics in the church acknowledges the reality that people's religious Convictions may naturally lead them to take political stance that align with their faith. Finally, churches can play a role in educating their members and civic responsibilities, encouraging act activists, no, active engagement in the political 
process and providing information about political issues from a faith-based perspective. This can contribute to more informed and engaged citizenry, which is critical for the functioning of democracy. I'd like to come, so you said that it contributes to more informed decisions, but how do we know that those informed decisions aren't simply propaganda? You're saying they're educating the members, members, but are they giving them an unbiased view of the political realm? Or are they saying, as your pastor, this is who I think you should vote for, because is that not just propaganda? See what you're saying, yes. Mm -hmm. But I think it depends on how they go about it. If they were like, this is exactly who you should vote for. Because I know everything. Mm -hmm. Then it would be propaganda. But if they're saying this is from a biblical point of view, or like, take abortion, for example. If they do it, this is what the Bible says, like, thou shalt not kill, or... I knew you before you were, or when you were knitted in your mother's womb. Like, but if they're just saying, this is the, this is the politician I think you should vote for, then it could be propaganda. I think abortion can kind of be a cop-out answer for that one, because most religions are against abortion. But what about things like gun rights or, um political like or like campaign um finance and the idea that speech equals money like all that type of stuff what if your pastor's commenting on that i'm sorry if that sounded mean by the way oh my gosh there's a no. huge bug no you're good there's a huge bug i'm not good callista there's just, a huge yeah. bug i'm just struggling I'm with this because like i grew up in a church where whenever we talked about anything political would be like a brief statement about abortion or same-sex mm. marriage or something like that and it was never like this is gun rights <laughs> no 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 i've never and i've never experienced that either like my and so like my brain's like i don't know like i guess my question is if a pastor can speak on a uh, if a pastor has the right to speak on a specific topic then a specific political topic, then what is stopping them from speaking on all political topics with the, the idea that it's under the realm of the Bible? Like, I could say, oh, well, like, I could be like, I'm a pastor. Like, I, like, as a pastor, I could be like, I'm going to talk about what you should vote on regarding how you're taxed because the Bible tell, gives instructions on how to responsibly, like, tithe your money. Yeah. Um, I got nothing. It's a, it's a hard question because I, I don't know. Yeah. Okay. That's right. All right. And then finally, let's talk about society's stance on um the from a societal point of view just in a miscellaneous category mm -hmm. 
Am I going first? Yes. Okay. Firstly, churches are often seen as influential in people's lives. From young to old, the church is there. Institutions that can bring attention to important social issues. Incorporating politics into the church can provide a platform for addressing problems such as poverty, inequality, discrimination, and human rights abuse, which aligns with the church's mission of promoting promoting passion towards others. Secondly, encouraging political discussion within the church can promote civic engagement and informed citizenship. It is it can motivate congregants to become more active participants in the Again, don't, I'm just taking that part out because I don't know where mm -hmm. it's going. Thirdly, incorporating politics into the church can provide a safe and respectful space for opening, open dialogue and discussion of diverse perspectives. It can promote understanding and empathy among individuals with differing viewpoints. Finally, the church often have international networks and can leverage their influence to address global challenges such as poverty, conflict, and human rights violations through the political channels. The church should not be speaking on politics because when the church takes an official stance on something, it alienates at least half of their congregation. And so then you're already turning people away from the door. Like, for example, if the church decides to take a stance that they are pro Black Lives Matter, they would immediately alienate, they would immediately alienate, I would say the majority of conservatives. And the church shouldn't be inherently on the right or inherently on the left. So it creates the idea that the church has a political affiliation. And now that while many Christians are traditionally conservative, um, are traditionally conservative, the church is not politically affiliated with the right or left. There may be some possible leniency. There may be some possible leniency when it comes to issues like abortion and, like you said, human rights violations. But those things may be, but stuff like human rights, like poverty and poverty should not be a political issue. In fact, they should just be a human issue. But otherwise, issue, um, all other issues such as, like I said, such as gun rights, um, like uh, I don't know gun rights uh political movements defunding the police shall should be off the table I don't know where this stemmed from while you were talking but I did think about it you said that talking about um it and the talking about politics in the church opens dialogue but how do you not, but hmm, there is a possibility that there is a strong possibility that it could end up dividing the church and causing outrage amongst the attenders of the church, the body of the church, if you would say. Like, let's say, I don't know, I saw one of, like, if I saw the 
middle school youth pastor being like, hey, Candace on my youth worship team, how are you doing? Just to let you know, Black Lives Matter. And I, I wouldn't be like, I wouldn't want my middle school age kids having a youth pastor telling them that they're oppressed. I feel like it definitely could cause some, like, tension. Uh, but that's going to happen anywhere. Which I understand that when it comes to matters of, like, the Bible. Like, mm-hmm. there's going to be disagreement on, like, certain imp- interpretations of stuff. I mean, like, that's why we have so many de- denominations. That's why we have Catholics and Protestants. But I don't think that the church is the place for that when it comes to things of the political realm. Currently, what would you say if you could loosely summarize your current opinion on politics in the church? My current opinion? Mm-hmm. As in my actual opinion? or Yeah. Your actual opinion. Okay. I kind of am somewhere in the middle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I definitely don't think that political candidates should be endorsed by the church. But, like, issues that could be biblical in, like, the sense of Not necessarily, this is how you should do this, but hey, this is. I feel like people are very divided right now. And there's mm-hmm. very much like currently, I feel like a lot of people have like drawn like a hard line where they're like, I do not want my pastor even mentioning the idea of politics in the church. And there's people who are like, the pastor should be, the pastor should be commenting on anything political that happens. Yeah. I like, I think they should be, I figured out what I was going to say. I think they should not endorse candidates and they should discuss issues that have moral, like a moral meeting, meaning that, like, and discuss the moral side of it. Not necessarily endorse a law or talk about a law, but be like, okay, well, is this morally correct? But I also don't think that is a pastor's responsibility. I think that could be like a one-on-one conversation with maybe like a religious, however you would say like a religious leader in the church. Like mm-hmm. if you have like like a youth pastor or like a youth leader or something like that. Like I think that can be a great way to have that conversation. But I think that it's not something that needs to be like in a sermon. I think yeah that's what i unless i don't know like something like i don't know i think there is i think it's a situation by situation thing i think there's something that's very dire that is going to be a threat to like a lot of people's way of living or a lot of people's ability to practice the um freedom of religious and stuff like that like i i think i still err on the side that I would rather the pastor not comment on it 
than do but i also am not for this whole like these huge mega churches like doing like the sugar coating of the bible thing yeah like i don't i'm not for that either but i think that there's a way of not sugar coating the bible in a way that also doesn't have to touch on politics because there's a lot of in it like politics like although even though you know technically we don't like to talk about politics eh, but 99 percent of what we talk about is politics like not everything comes down to politics because you know if mm-hmm. everything if everything came down to what goes on in the american federal government then it would be a very sad life yeah yeah i'm actually really excited to talk about the oh conclu- any concluding statements close to no i think i'm good. no i think i'm good i would love to come back to this topic at some point i'd agree mm-hmm. i'm excited to talk about the pop culture this if y'all are on tiktok which you should be make sure you post on tiktok dw tap underscore podcast is that our tiktok close to Yes. We'll get the obvious out of the way. Rachel Ziegler. Um, she's beautiful, adorable, cute little actress, right? Um, played uh Marie most known because she played um Maria in the twenty twenty one uh remake of West Side Story. Calista, have you watched or known anything about West Side Story. No. Um. Let's start with this. Snow White. What do you know about Snow White? Skin white as snow, hair black as ebony, lips mm-hmm. red as roses. Is that how they describe her? Something. Something like that. Uh. Rachel Ziegler. Puerto Rican. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we'll get the obvious out of the way. That's not the issue with this. This is that's we're we're past that issue. That was issue like six months ago. Current issue. Yeah. So in an interview from September, which has surfaced recently, and people are upset. She says at the Disney Fan Club's D23 Expo um, that she was cry- that she cried and was overwhelmed when she saw herself on screen. Snow White. Um, she says on social media she's, that she, on her response to being asked about bringing a modern edge to the story of Snow White, um, she said, I just mean that it's no longer 1937. We absolutely wrote a Snow White that she's not going to be saved by the prince and that she's not going to be dreaming about true love. She's going to be dreaming about becoming the leader she knows she can be. And her late father told her that she could be if she was fearless, fair, brave, and true. So people are upset about that. Specifically the thing, people are upset about that because like the entire plot of Snow White is that she was 
dreaming of a prince to come and marry her like she just wanted to be in love and married and like that she finds and so in another interview she says that actually she said that there's a big focus on snow white's love story in the original film where she says a weird guy who literally stalks her and she called the part of she called it like when he like jumps over um you've seen snow white right yes when he like jumps over the um wall and says like mm-hmm. and like comes and sings to her she says the it's weird and they didn't do that this time she goes we have a different approach to what i'm sure a lot of people will assume is a love story just because we cast a guy in the movie it's really not about the love story at all which is really really wonderful she joked that all the scenes featuring prince charming could get cut adding who knows it's hollywood baby And she said um, in another interview that she was frightened by the original film and didn't revisit it until she was cast as Snow White. She said, I think it watched it once and never picked it up again. I'm being so serious. So, so, so People are obviously very upset about this because they feel like it's a slap in the face to not only like the original Snow White. So like if you know anything about the original Snow White, Snow White's the first ever animated movie. Mm-hmm. Which isn't like if you go back and watch the original Snow White, which I literally just watched the other day because it like watching it, like watching all I keep getting her people reacting to her interviews on my for you page. And then someone was like putting up like the the intro sequence where she's singing at the well and was talking about like how it still holds up today and how it's so how beautiful it is and like how it's so interesting the original animation and stuff so i rewatched it and i was like oh it just like made me like so warm and happy i love snow but um people are talking about how it's like also a slap in the face to like modern feminists like it's not feminism to put down some it's not feminism to put down a woman for wanting to find love and that's what mm-hmm. they feel like she's doing um someone said yeah. that criticizing yeah. disney princesses is not a feminist not every woman is a leader not everyone wants to be a leader not everyone wants or craves power and that's okay and like they kind of i was it's kind of interesting because they kind of talk about this in the barbie movie about how, how not every woman needs to want to be a leader and not every woman needs to want to be a mom and so mm-hmm. like not everyone needs to want to fall out and not every woman needs to want to be a leader and someone said that um disney princesses don't have to be turned into girl bosses and that original stories didn't intend them to be um And she said that the whole thing with art and artistic expression is that there should be diverse characters. And when every female character has a feminist icon stamp on her, the whole industry becomes boring. She says, what doesn't fit into my brain is why does a woman need to be somehow be proactive, extraordinary, have this incredibly successful career in order to be appreciated, in order to be considered a protagonist. And they're saying it's like sad how out of the millions of women who love the character care about the story and yet they got someone who only watched it once and admits that they don't like the actual movie mm-hmm. anyways so i wanted to talk um and so 
in response to this, I've been thinking about a L Fanning interview from Maleficent. She was interviewed for the second movie, and she has a really good um, quote on feminism that really, like, when I first read this when I was younger, really helped, like, shaped, helped to shape my modern-day view of feminism. Like, it really, kind of, because I was very much, like, I don't know. Like, when I was younger, I was very much, like, I was very much, like, I was such a tomboy. I was, like, oh, I'll never, like, I'm the guys are like so much cooler to hang out with like girls are all drama guys that's where it's at like I was like I just want all friends that are guys like I was that that kind of girl I was a nightmare (laughs) um um she says that so she's talking about Maleficent the second movie um, she says that although so it says that although Maleficent, Mistress of Evil, evil is anchored by surprisingly liberal mindset, classic fairy tales are widely accused of being regressive due to their sexist portrayals of women and complete lack of sexual and racial diversity. This has led some some parents, among them Kira Knightley and Kristen Bell, to ban their children from reading them. Um, and so in response to that, she said. I understand. I mean, Sleeping Beauty doesn't have a lot to do in the original animated version. She just falls asleep. The actress says laughing. laughing. What's so great is now that we can reinvent these stories. Um, it's beautiful seeing Frozen and Moana. I'm super excited. And when she talks about um, Little Murray, the step in the right direction, even though I appreciate the animated films because I've watched them growing up as a new generation and we have to move forward. She said, and then it says, fairy tale princesses perceive marriage as the be all and end all of their existence and consider riding off in the sunset with a noble suitor, the pinnacle of their achievement. Um, and so then they talk about how this is being problematic, but she actually says, Aurora is a very romantic princess. She dreams of being married and becoming a mother, and there's nothing wrong with that. It doesn't make a woman less strong because she wants that. And I think it's actually a very modern take. Which, like, I totally agree. Like, the idea and Maleficent, like, the, and the entire thing about Maleficent is that over everything, uh, it's over everything, like, love that the Ma, that Maleficent's love towards Aurora as her mother triumphed over everything else in the story. I haven't watched Maleficent mm-hmm. in so long. I haven't watched Maleficent after I'm recording. I love that movie. It did scare me a lot when I was a kid. Like, it scared me and made me very sad, but I loved that movie. Oh. But I love Elle Fanning. I think she's so cute, and I think that, um, I believe that she spoke on this when she was quite young. Maybe 17, 18. And I just think that she has such a sweet opinion on it, and I think that and like um I remember like seeing the interview where she said that when she was younger and I was like, yeah. Like a woman can want like a woman can want to fall in love and still be just as strong as a woman who wants to be president. Anyways, those are all my thoughts on Rachel Ziegler. I think or Ziegler, whatever she says, like everyone's saying all the hate towards her is unjustified, but I think disagree i think that if you are essentially like crapping on all over the source material of the project that you're on and you're getting paid like disney money for it then like i don't know you're kind of asking for it like this is a very beloved fair this is a very beloved movie and a very beloved fairy tale and people and there's been a lot of 
very good um reimaginings of snow white i think mirror mirror is really good although we don't support army hammer um once upon a time in once upon a time the portrayal of snow and that is also an incredible portrayal so Mm -hmm. my um concluding thoughts on that close to the only thoughts Uh, how many remakes is it going to take before disney realizes that they keep messing them up and that people don't like them as much as the originals hear me out jungle book i liked as much as the original i just wish they hadn't changed um what i like about you because that's a very fun song and i don't think it's racist Mm -hmm. snow white was very good not snow white um cinderella was very good yeah cinderella her dress in it is like so breathtaking mm-hmm. and then um bell just because um beating the beast just because i love emma watson so much yeah i don't know i just feel like especially yeah. the more recent ones not necessarily the first live action mm-hmm. that they, but the more recent ones i just i wonder how many it's gonna take yeah like this i don't know if this is just like a joke rumor going around or if it's actually confirmed that jada pickett smith is going to be the new rapunzel Calista, uh, so would you like to explain back to me what the issue is with jada pickett smith being the new rapunzel she's a woman of color mm-hmm. rapunzel is as white as white can be that doesn't work Long, um, long hair. If it helps, if it helps, I could not care less with the with the specific Rapunzel being black. That doesn't make any like it. Literally, that one I don't care about. What is the issue with Jada Pickett Smith being Rapunzel? I don't know. She has alopecia. Oh yeah. And they're not, they're keeping her that way. They're vibing. (laughs) So actually, Rapunzel is no longer a story about a girl with long, long hair. No. It's just, she's just a girl in a tower. It's just Sleeping Beauty. But, so, they're changing all these movies with white lead characters. What about princess and the frog please do not touch princess and the frog i love princess and the frog and i would be so i sad. also love it but i'm like people are talking about how they should cast Zendaya as princess and the frog if they do i would be legit mad yeah yeah i'm, I'm sorry like... we need Zendaya, beautiful but she is a light-skinned black and even i feel too light to play play look but I am too late to play Tiana. You need someone who is dark. Yeah. <clears throat> and I think her I'm mom like, played by they won't uh, t- you know they won't touch oh. it. Mm-hmm. But they'll ch- touch these other ones and like Yeah. Here's the know. thing. There we I we talked about this in our little mermaid episode about how there is room for change in some stories where they could be interpreted. Um, what was the specific movie that we talked about? Like 
care. Uh, I honestly rarely watch Disney movies anyways, and it's not just, like, recently. Like, when I was little, we barely watched Disney movies. We watched a lot of older movies. We watched, and so, like... like mm-hmm. I just watched... Other than Cinderella and Tangled. Yeah. I just watched so much Disney growing up. Like, I've, I've seen, like, so, like, any classic Disney movie I've seen a million different times. And mm-hmm. so, like, I have a lot of connection to Disney, and we went to Disneyland quite a few times growing up. Like, I love Disney. And, uh-huh. like, I don't know, like, okay. Hear me out. Like, I would be fine. Like, I'm not gonna complain if Rapunzel's played by a person of color. But, like, yeah. in a different interpretation of it that'd be really cool if they had like super long box braids ooh that'd be fun mm-hmm. it'd be like the i think of like the 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 um when they did the 80s cinderella where it was like the all black casting of cinderella or kind of how they did it with the oz but if they did that with tangled mm-hmm. but no like the, the the oh my goodness jada pickett's oh that makes me so it makes me so mad. I need to confirm if this is true. Yeah, I'm like I like I said, I'm ninety nine percent sure that it's not true. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. just a. I knew it was a satirical headline. I had a feeling it was a satirical headline. Um, or if she was cast in it, she was cast as a different character. But oh. everyone was taking it so seriously on TikTok. It was kind of funny. They'd be like, not my tangled, not my tangled. I'm like, obviously they did it. Yeah. I don't know. They got plenty of room just to cast the original voice actors for it. Mm-hmm. Zachary Levi can sing very good looking. He does. I mean, he could look exactly like, you know what, change up his hair a little bit works for it. And then, um, is it Mandy Moore who sings for her? Am I correct on that? Mandy Moore. I Just die. Well, I guess they have to be younger, so never mind. Donna Murphy can still work. All right. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of I Don't Want to Talk About Politics. Make True. sure you check us out on the Instagram, IDWTAP underscore podcast. I don't know how I forgot it. The underscore podcast part. Check us out out on Instagram and TikTok at IDWTAP underscore podcast. Also check out our personal Instagrams at Allie.Joy173. And And CalistaJ1776. In the description below is the link to the website where you can listen to more episodes of the podcast, contribute to our current activism podcast project, Check out our references and contact us. Also, make sure you check out our blog. On the, um, this past week, I did a post talking about supplement and about a supplement and nutrition company that's all over TikTok called Bloom. I'm getting all into the ethics of their company, their marketing, and touching on the legitimacy of supplements slash superfood brand. Um, for Spotify users, make sure that you vote in this week's poll, which is do politics belong in church. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I think we are both ready to be done with remote recording. We are so happy that we get to have at least four months of us recording in person.
Yes. Okay. Thank you so much. We'll see you next week.